welcome everyone to our Drisha Elul programming. Uh, we're thrilled to have you all here tonight. I'm Michael Fraud. Uh, I'm the assistant program director for Drisha. Uh, our class this evening is on the Kapara of Yom Kippur with Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zokier. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Zokier uh, teaches for Drisha as part of our summer kollel, as part of our Dr. Beth Samuels High School program, as well as uh, many other programs throughout the year. Uh, he's a postdoctoral fellow in Jewish studies at McGill University and received his PhD in ancient Judaism at Yale University, as well as having uh, been a member of Yeshiva University's Kol Elyon. Uh, he has previously served as the director of the OU JLIC uh, campus position at Yale University, is an alumnus of Yeshivat Haaretzion and uh, reads at YU for Smicha. Uh, so the class this evening on the Kapara of Yom Kippur. Uh, Yom Kippur is, is the Day of Atonement, but uh, the topic of this class is, is thinking through how that atonement comes about. Is it dependent on the bringing of Korbanot? Does it still work today when we don't have Korbanot? Uh, does one need to observe the day in order to achieve the atonement? And what does this process tell us about the holiest day of the year? So in this shear, uh, the first of a five-part series, uh, we are going to undertake a close analysis of the relevant psukim in Vayikra that discuss the significance and the origins of Yom Kippur and how they serve to achieve atonement, uh, raising questions along the way of who's responsible for carrying out the atonement and how the psukim in the Torah helps set the stage for the Gemara's views on the issue. Uh, so Rabbi Zukir, uh feel free to uh, take it away. And if folks have questions, uh, they should feel free to either use the raise hand function or put them in the chat. Uh, Drisha staff will be monitoring the chat and, uh, and trying to get that information to, to Rabbi Zukir. Uh, if you're following us on Facebook Live, feel free to comment there. And uh, in just a moment, we will be posting a copy of the source sheet as well uh, so that folks can follow along uh, with the sources from home. Okay, thank you very much, Michael. That was a very, uh, I think, very helpful introduction to our topic. Um, and yeah, I'll just highlight a couple of points Michael said, and then we'll jump in to our sources. So yeah, our, our topic for the next five weeks uh, for, the, for these five shirim is really how the kapara of Yom Kippur works, how Yom Kippur atones. Of course, Yom Kippur is, is uh, most, mostly about kapara, if you just look at the name, for sure, right? Yom, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, is the Day of Atonement. That seems to be the central theme, and yet it's not at all obvious how that kapara comes about. I think, uh, as was mentioned, there's, there are some themes of karbanos that come up. Um, there are some themes relating to, to uh, celebrating the day, marking the day by fasting, by refraining from work. Uh, there are other, there, there's the possible theme that really tshuva is what drives the kapara, that repentance, uh, you know, uh, uh, returning and changing one's deeds is what leads to atonement, and that's connected to Yom Kippur. So there's really a lot of different pieces here that, that, that uh, one needs to account for in understanding how Yom Kippur works to be mechaper. And maybe the most interesting question is, is it always the same or does it change over time? Meaning, a world where there is a mikdash, where there is a temple where we are bringing karbanos, does kapara and Yom Kippur in that world work the same way as it does nowadays, post-mikdash? 
Uh, and as we'll see, this is not just a question for historians, but this is really a question that uh, at least some of the Rishonim and uh, possibly Gemaras really are taking up, that, uh, that, that they're discussing the, the possibility that the nature of Kapara really changes over time. Uh, as, as Michael mentioned, we're going to be focusing today on the Psukim, on really two different passages in Vayikra, one in Parshas Achremos, maybe the most famous passage uh, or parak about Yom Kippur, at the end of the parak there, moves away from the avoda, from the different sacrifices that are brought and starts talking more specifically about the day and the kapara of the day. And then we'll also look at a passage in Emor, uh, which talks about all the chagim, but focusing on Yom Kippur, that also refers to this idea of kapara. And we're going to have a close look at these, at these psukim because there's really a lot of important hints at the larger question of how the kapara works that we'll see along the way. Um, all right, and as, as was mentioned, everyone should really feel free to jump in with questions uh, as, as they have them and put them, certainly put them on the chat um, and uh, also stop periodically for people to, uh, to raise the questions verbally. For now, I'm gonna share the handout, um, uh, share screen with the handout. If, if it's easier for you, um, there should be a link going up soon in the chat with, with the handout, but hopefully everyone can see, uh, can see our source sheet now. And we're gonna start just by reading some of these psukim in Achrimos after the whole description of the Avoda, just talking about the day of Yom Kippur, and we're gonna try to understand how the Kapara comes about. So it says, Pazikavtes, source one, Vaisalachem Chukas Olam, it should be a, a law forever, Bachodesh Hashviyah on the 10th day of the seventh month, you should oppress yourselves, your souls, your throats, whatever that means, that's a whole other discussion. You shouldn't do any work. Both uh, the, the uh, citizen or the sojourner uh, who lives among you. Because, and we're going to think about that word key and what exactly it means, because on that day, and we'll also think about bayom, what exactly does bayom here, but let's say, because on that day, he, or it, will atone for you, to purify you, from all of your sins, before God, you will be purified. Now, there's really three different terms that we're going to focus on in this Pasuk that are ambiguous and, and tricky. One, as was mentioned, is key. What's this? Because you have to fast and not do work on Yom Kippur because it's a day of atonement. What degree of connection is there? What does it mean by Yom? Does it just mean on this day or does it mean something else? And Yichaper, maybe this is the most important question of who's doing the Kapara, who's doing the atoning on Yom Kippur. There are a lot of other important questions in this Pasuk. Um, what's the relation between between kapara and tahara, what does lifnei Hashem mean? What does lifnei Hashem even modify? Is it talking about your sins before Hashem? Is it talking about purifying yourself before Hashem? There's a lot of other questions here. We're gonna focus on those three specific questions for, for much of our time. Just continuing the, in the psukim here, I'm repeating this idea. It's a Sabbath of Sabbaths, and you have to oppress yourselves, Allah forever. The Kohen, who gets anointed, meaning the Kohen Gadol, will be mechaper, will atone. The one who's, who's uh, anointed, the one who fills his hands, who takes over that role to be a Kohen under, under his father, he'll wear those uh, big day abad, the, the holy clothing, the white clothing of Yom Kippur. And now we have another meaning of the word yechaper. This is a little tricky. Here, he 
is mechaper for the Mikdash HaKodesh, for the Holy Temple, and the Ol Moed, the Tent of Meeting, and the Mizbeach, and on the Kohanim and for the whole nation. So I understand what it means to be mechaper for the Kohanim and the whole nation. What does it mean to be mechaper, the Mikdash, or the Ol Moed, or the Mizbeach? This is a very interesting uh, idea, and we usually think of kapara as atonement, as removing sin. And it certainly means that, but there's also a meaning uh, of kapara that can relate to the parts of, parts of the mikdash, as we saw right here, or the sancta, the different holy parts, the mikdash, the omoi, the mizbeach. And um, there's, there's more to say about this maybe another time. The very short answer is that part of the process of kapara involving karbanos means that you remove a certain impurity from the mikdash and the mizbeach that is created when people sin. So by, by putting blood or doing whatever other uh, carbon process to the Mizbeach or the Ol Moed or the Mikdash, you remove the sin, uh, the miasma, the this impurity from those, those uh, parts of the Mikdash, and that somehow serves to resolve the Avera. We're not going to focus on that. It's a very important uh, idea of how Kapara works in Karbanos. That's certainly how it sounds from these. So again, we're going to focus on atoning for people. Yichaper Alechem Betaheraschem. And then just again to sum up here in Pasuk Lamidalit, this should be a, a law forever, atoning for the Jew, for the Israelites, for Bnei Israel, from all their sins once a year, namely on Yom Kippur. Moshe did as God commanded him. So the, as, as was mentioned, the most important question here we're trying to figure out is we talk about Yechaper Alechem. On this day, someone or something will be Mechaper. But who is it? Who is doing, who's carrying out the kapara? And that question obviously is very important. Depending on who's doing the kapara, that will tell us a lot about how the kapara process works and who initiates it and uh, who participates in it. So this is really a central question. And it's, uh, there's really a big debate among the commentators, among the mafarshim here. So Ibn Ezra, as is his want, gives a shot explanation. Yechapera lechem, hakohen. Who's atoning? Who's atoning for you? The Kohen's atoning. Where does he get that from? And maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll stop the share. Everyone can jump in. We'll have a little discussion if we want. I know everyone's cameras are off, but you can, I guess, virtually raise your hand or jump in. Why, why would we think the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol is the one who's doing the, uh, who's doing the atonement on, of Yom Kippur? What indications are there in that direction? Um, well, you mentioned that this is coming right after the description of the Avoda and considering the Kohanim have like a huge role in the Avoda, then maybe that like this section coming right after that is like building on just like another role they take. Yeah, great, great, Tali. So yeah, it, it totally, it's, a, it's just the continuation of what came before, right? It talks about the Kohen, Kohen Gadol and the other Kohanim helping and bringing the various Kohanim to Yom Kippur. And maybe it's just referring back to that. It's saying on this day, he, the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol, will be Mechaper by bringing all these Karbanos, by doing all these ritual processes of Yom Kippur. That's how you get Kapara. Seems very straightforward. So that's what the Ibn Ezra is saying. And, uh, uh, you know, what part of it exactly the Ibn Ezra continues, maybe it's particularly the, the scapegoat that, uh, that, that takes care of the, of the sin that the Kohen Gadol does. But most straightforwardly, it's the Kohen. It's the Kohen. What just, uh, we'll, we'll get to this in the sources in a minute, but any other, anyone else want to suggest uh, other possibilities other than the Kohen? What else or who else might be doing Yichaper here? I was thinking maybe like because the, um, they sort of serve as that intermediary between like the Israelites and Hashem. So they sort of had that purpose of um, sort of finding, of, of like representing 
um, for the Israelites, sort of what that kapara may look like and sort of um, helping them get through this um, like process that, that the Torah is talking about. So you, want, you want to emphasize why it's the Kohanim. The Kohanim might be the people to do it because they're the intermediaries. For, so that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's the Kohanim's role in general in Karbanos, in Kapara, is to, is to be the intermediary. The whole Gemara discusses, are they Shluchi Didan, are they Shluchi Drachmana? Who, who are they representing, us or God? Either way, though, they're clearly representing uh, one of the sides, they're intermediaries, 100%. That would, make, that would make a lot of sense as to why even Ezra and others we're going to see think that the Kohanim are the ones uh, doing this atonement. But who, who else? What, what, if, what if it's not the Kohen? Who else could it be? It could be all of us. Um, because in Pasach Haftad it says, right, like the fact that you're fasting, the fact that you're afflicting yourself, every single kol right, every single person is doing kapara for themselves. Okay, great. We're going to see one interpretation that goes in that direction. It could be it's everyone. The one tricky thing about that, grammatically speaking, is yichaper is singular, right? So you... In theory, it should be singular, although that doesn't stop some commentators from saying it's each person, right? So it's singular for each person. We'll see that in a few minutes. But yeah, that's another approach. Maybe it's the coin, or maybe it's each person who does the kapara. Can I ask a question? Could, sure. Could it be, could the yachapir not refer to each person, but to the action that each person's doing? So like, like, that, that is what is yachapir, and therefore it's singular? Interesting. I haven't seen that suggested. Uh, it would be a little tricky grammatically to have that whole clause be the subject of the verb, but it's possible. I think people get, get to that approach a slightly different way, not by saying that the, the, uh, the fasting is mechaper, but there's a, a slight move that they make that gets them a very similar result. Okay. Um, I'm ta still taking suggestions, though, for what else yechaper could be. It could be the day itself, day of Yom Kippur. Okay, great, Jason. Um, and that's, that's actually building on Rina's idea. So some of the first we're going to see, say that the day is actually mechaper. We're going to see, you have to do a little creative reading of the word bayom as well. And that might be a way of saying that the fasting and doing other things, participating in the day, is what leads to that kapara, right? Ki bayom azeh, this day is atoning if you treat the day properly. Okay, there's another couple of approaches, but I think we've had, we, we, uh, we had three, three uh, already, three, three or more people uh, get to the answer, so that's always, get to one of the, the answers, so that's always good. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll save the rest for as we run into them with the Mepharshim. So let's jump back in to the share screen. Um, hopefully everyone sees the screen again. So we just read the Ibn Ezra. Right, the Kohen is the one who's doing the atoning. Uh, the Kohen Gadol, by doing the Avoda. And similarly, uh, similarly, the Sfarno at least starts off with a similar explanation. Um, so he says, So the reason why, in addition to whatever happens in the Mikdash, you also need stop not doing work and fasting, oppressing yourself. In truth, the Kohen, by doing the Avoda, is the one who's atoning. Kippur, atonement, means minimizing a sin and preparation to uh, receive uh, purification, but he has another, another side to it. He complicates things, but he says, If you want to get full purification and full forgiveness, 
That needs to be in front of God. That needs to be done through repentance and confession. Only God knows if you're doing it properly. So really, at the end of the day, as we saw, people are necessary. It's necessary for people themselves to participate in this process and make sure that they're getting that kapara. But the kapara begins for the Svarno with the Kohen. And similarly, Rasag, Rav Sadyagon, uh, also very shot-oriented, says, uh, he explains earlier, earlier in the parak, talking about the process of kapara, the idea of kapara means the Kohen, by doing his actions, is in a sense requesting atonement, requesting forgiveness in a sense. And then back on our kapara. on that day, he, the Kohen, will request or will, uh, will attempt to achieve atonement for everyone by bringing the karbanos. So that, this may be the most shot-oriented, the most straightforward explanation, albeit not one we necessarily always think about, right? You say, who offers atonement? We don't usually think the Kohen, but that's what the Psukim sound like they're saying, right? It says earlier, it talks to the Kohen doing everything, and then there's atonement. Maybe, may, and maybe it's through the Kohen. That's one, that's one approach. The other approach is that Yechaper, the person or the being who is offering kapara, is not the Kohen, but as the Abarbanel says, I, God, commanded, uh, commanded oppression, commanded that you fast. That's the day you request uh, forgiveness and atonement. He, meaning God, Hashem, will be the one atoning for you, will be the one purifying you. Uh, and then he says, he gives another option. Um, which we're going to get more into in a second. Oh, Or maybe Yechaper means the day. So he gives two other options, right? So far we've discussed the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol, or, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe the, the people in a sense. And we have two other approaches here. Maybe it's Hashem who's doing the Kapara, and maybe it's the day. And that's why he explains Right? If, if God or the day is the one who's offering the atonement, it's important to have the right uh, presentation, to have the right comportment in front of God. And fasting is a good way, uh, coming with that sense of brokenheartedness, that's a good way of inspiring divine mercy. Um, fine. Haksav v'hakabala, uh, 19th century work uh, by Tzu Mecklenburg, similarly, goes in, in that direction. Right, so the, uh, the kapara is tied to this inui. By, by uh, refraining from eating, that's preparation for atonement. We don't need to specify who exactly is doing the kapara. So he says it's sort of open. It's either God doing the kapara or the kohen, you know what, it doesn't really matter. We don't need to specify, but those are the two, those are the two uh, entities, the two beings that could offer the kapara, either the Kohen by bringing the karbanos, or maybe, maybe it's Hashem who's doing the kapara here. Um, we find this idea of Hashem offering the kapara as early as the Medrash Tanchuma. We're just going to look at the last line here, where it says, it's talking about Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim kol Yisrael misanim umivakshim rachamim. All, the, all of the Israelites, all Jewish people, are fasting and requesting mercy. And uh, Hashem 
gives up, you know, sort of for, uh, uh, you know, uh, it says he, he does, it's, it's okay, he's mevater, uh, he gives up on any claim against them for their sins. God is the one doing the kapara, namely the vitur. God is dismissing any, any problems that stem from the sins. And we even have, an, an, a bit, this is a bit less clear, but an even earlier source, it seems. And this is the Mishnah, source number eight here, the Mishnah in Yoma, that talks about the language of vidui, that the Kohen Gadol would say in Yom Kippur. We'll recognize this from Yom Kippur davening, something very close to this that we, we have in our davening. Vikachaya Omer, this is what the Kohen Gadol would say in his vidui, Ana Hashem, right? Please, God, please, Hashem, Avisi, Pashati, Chatasi, Lefanecha, Ani, Uvesia, me, my, my family, we did all these sins. Please, Hashem, Kaper, God, offer atonement. So who's the source of the atonement? Clearly God. That's why he's asking, he's saying, Hashem, Kaperna, Hashem, please offer atonement. Because Hashem is the source of the atonement here. So there, there, there's uh, several fairly clear sources that Hashem is the source, that Hashem is the, is the, uh, the, the being that offers Kapara, as opposed to what we saw before, that maybe it's the uh, Kohen, that's another option, but maybe it's Hashem, and there, there are several sources here, including the language of Vidui itself. Now, uh, one person mentioned the possibility of people being the sources of Kapara, leading to Kapara, so this seems to come out of the, uh, the Bahag, the Sefer Alachos Gedolos, in his discussion of this, um, if you look at source number nine, he's talking about the mitzvah of vidui, or the, yeah, the mitzvah of vidui, of confession, on Yom Kippur, Michai bar Yisrael Kippur, every Israelite, every Jewish person has a mitzvah to do vidui on Yom Kippur, why? Shenemar kiva yoma because on that day, uh, you'll be, uh, he'll be mechaper, he'll cause kapara, and probably the only way to read that, the best way of reading that, it seems, is we are each commanded as that yichaper. We can each be mechaper for ourselves. We can each atone for our sins. And we have an obligation to do that on Yom Kippur. So that's why the Bahag uh, thinks there's a mitzvah to do, to do uh, vidu on Yom Kippur. I don't think anyone else counts that as a real mitzvah. There's a mitzvah of vidu in general. There's a mitzvah of Yom Kippur in general. This idea of a mitzvah of vidu on Yom Kippur is not so common. And the source for it is kiva yomazei yichaper aleichem. You have to have this Understanding that yichaper means to atone, uh, to atone that each person has a mitzvah to cause, to lead to their own atonement. So a, uh, a, an interesting view of the Bahag, that's the only source I could find who says that that pasuk, kiveyomazei yichaper, is talking about each and every one of us. Um, we saw before quickly this idea that the day, the day of Yom Kippur is the, is the uh, subject of the verb yichaper, is the one doing the kapara. And maybe the most famous person uh, who says this, is the Rambam. Source number 10, and we're going to spend a lot of time on this Rambam in future shiurim, but for now, we're just trying to see how he reads the Pasuk. So the Rambam says, um, at the last line in the Rambam, Atzmo shel Yom HaKippurim mechaper lashavim. The day of Yom Kippur itself atones for those who do tshuva. Shenemar ki bayom It says, ki bayom On that day, it will atone for you. What will atone for you the day? So, um, one, a couple of quick notes here. First, uh, people often mispronounce this Ramam as saying, Itzumo Shalyom Mechaper. That's not what the Ramam says. The Ramam says, Atzmo Shalyom. So, it's important to get that right. The day itself is Mechaper. But then the other interesting thing, we'll see some people spell this out explicitly, is 
how does the Rambam read this into the Pasuk? It's very, it's very awkward to read it, right? Because on this day, it will atone for you. Why not just say, Ki hayom it's, a, it's an uncomfortable read. And it seems, we'll see some people spell this out explicitly. It seems that the way the Rambam's reading it is the base here is not on this day. Bayom is not on this day, but it's with this day or through this day, as they call it, an instrumental base. So if you read it that way, ki through this day, using this day of Yom Kippur, um, one will be, you know, he, maybe it could be, could be God, it could be the coin, uh, will be Mechaper. But the point is, uh, the day is, is essential, is instrumentally uh, essential for making the Kapara happen. So that's how the Ram seems to get it out of the Pasuk. Uh, it, again, it's, it's not fully clear. He could be reading the word Yechaper as referring to the day. You could just be reading the word bayom as saying the day is essential, whoever's doing that kapara. But that comes out of the Rambam. It also comes out of Rashi's view, it seems. Source 11 here. It's a complicated discussion about doing votos during day. We'll actually hopefully get to this in a later shir. But the Rashi at the end says, You can only get kapara uh, through the day. You only can get atonement on the day of Yom Kippur, not the night. Because it's pasuk ki Again, you can read that in a couple of different ways, but it's possible that this idea that the day itself is essential to the atonement that may imply that the day is actually carrying out the atonement. Although there are other other ways of reading this. Um, and then a Mishnah in Yoma, the, the this is a famous uh, one of the one of the famous Mishnahs at the end of Yoma. If you read this literally, it says sins between a person and God, the Day of Atonement, atones for them. It doesn't say on the Day of Atonement, someone atones for them. It sounds like the day itself atones. And of course, the rest of that Mishnah is You need to appease your friend, uh, get, uh, make up with your friend before, uh, before Yom Kippur will actually work. That's a whole other discussion. Couple more sources that seem to take this idea that Bayom Hazem means that the day itself is mechaper. One is the Torah Tamima. Ki bayom hazeh yechaper. Bayom hazeh avbi she'en karbanos ve'en sa'ir hayom. Yom kippur mechaper. That's quoting the Gemara. We're going to see that in a couple of minutes. But he explains, mefarish bayom hazeh, bayom atzmo. Through the day itself. Ve'lobe seder inyan hayom. Tainu de karbanos. Not through things that happen on that day, through the karbanos of the day, but through the day itself. Umash melemi de tala inyan ki bayom hazeh yechaper leta'am. It's because of that word key that we said, right? Do the fasting. Don't do work. Key because that reasoning is, is, the, is the, the source of this here. What does fasting have to do with anything if it's just based on the carbon that the Kohen brings? Fine, we're not going to get into that. He gives a whole history of why Yom Kippur is Mechaper. The point is, the only reason why fasting has anything to do with Kapar and Yom Kippur is if it's not the Karbanos, but the day itself that's doing the Kapara. Rav Shimshel and Fral Hirsch gives a grammatical uh, basis to this, what, what we mentioned before. The subject of the verb, Yechaper, it will atone, can only be the 10th of the month. Mentioned the previous uh, Pasuk. Then he says, This, by the way, is translated from the German. So the, the uh, calling it Itzumo instead of Atzmo is the translator's doing, not, uh, not Rehersh himself. Um, but uh, he, makes the same, he makes the same point. He, he reads it slightly differently. He says, 
Yechaper, it will atone, has to be talking about the day of Yom Kippur. Um, and then we have, we have four basic approaches here, which is, which is really a lot. You think it would be fairly straightforward what the word means. But is Yechaper the Kohen? Is Yechaper each person? Is Yechaper Hashem? Or is Yechaper the day? And then there's uh, a couple of other options. There's the option that it's sort of uh, a general, a general uh, kapara. That it's not, it, maybe it's several different things that, that's indicated by, uh, by source 15. Um, kapara is dvarim akasav medaber, that it's uh, through speech or kapara biyamama, but it's also talking about the karbanos. Source number, the, the source number 15 implies that there are multiple mechaparim, both the karbanos and, and vidui, a few different things. So that's a final approach. So there's really a pretty wide variety of understandings here. It's pretty, pretty staggering how this essential Pasuk, talking about how Kapara happens, the most important atonement on the most important day of atonement. And we don't know, it's hard, you know, we, there's this great controversy as to who is offering it. So we'll just pause now for a couple of questions, if people have, and feel free if you want uh, to, to ask it in the chat or to, if you want to... Uh, ask it uh, uh, audio or audio visual, uh, go on screen uh, if anyone has any. If not, we'll move forward. Okay, I guess the uh, wide variety of views uh, are, are uh, each so compelling that we have, uh, we have no question on any of them and we're just, uh, we're just uh, torn and stuck between all these approaches. Hopefully, we're gonna, over the next few weeks, we're gonna sort out some of these options and get some clarity on this. Let's take a look now at the Sifra. Zifra being the Medrash Halacha from the early third century, and really, the, in a sense, the first a commentary within Chazal on, on these Psukim. So we'll see, what, we'll see what the Sifra has to say, and I'll just share my screen once again. Um, okay, so the Sifra here in, in source 18, and actually, you know what, we're gonna, there's some textual issues which we were gonna get into, but I think for reasons of time, we'll skip to the best version of the Sifra, which is source number 22 here. And here's the proper, what seems to be the proper version of the Sifra based on the Vatican 66 uh, edition. If you want, we, you can ask about that. There's a little bit of a backstory, but it says, Ki If the Pasuk had just said, Ki with this, he will atone for you. That would mean with Karbanos, right? That's what that would mean. Uh, meaning the Kohen, by bringing Karbanos, atones for you on Yom Kippur. Minayin, afalpisha in karbanos, the ein sa'ir hayom mechaper. How do I know that even if there's no karbanos being brought and there's no sa'ir lazaza, there's no scapegoat being brought on Yom Kippur, that the day itself, it sounds like the day itself, atones, Talmud Lomar ki bayom hazeh yichaper alechem, begomer. It spells out the, the word yom. It says not just with this, with these karbanos, with this process. It can be mechaper, or the Kohen can be mechaper. No, we're saying by Yom Hazeh, through this day, it's mechaper, which shows the karbanos themselves are, are not the only way of getting kapara. They may work, but you can get kapara even without karbanos, namely through the day of Yom Kippur. And we're going to talk a bit more about history later, but think about how important this, this idea is in a world without a mikdash, right? In the time of the mikdash, it doesn't really matter that much. You know, if you're going to bring a carbon every year, so what if you can get kapara without a carbon? You're bringing the carbon anyway. But for Chazal, in a world without a Mikdash, this is an essential teaching, right? It's very important to know that there can be Kapara, despite the fact that there are no Karbanos anymore. And let's see how the Chavetz Chaim, in his commentary in the Sifra, spells this out. The Karbanos, Ideally, 
Preferably, you're supposed to bring carbonos in Yom Kippur for Kabara. Tamalomar ki bayom azei chaper, perish mida amar ki, mashma the kai tam, alamala, to the fichot tanu es nafsho seichem, chablachalosasu mishum, dayom yom kippurimu. And as we saw before, he emphasizes this idea, the key, right? That's saying, because you fast, because uh, it's a day of atonement. Meaning, there's atonement not just in the karbanos, but in this other thing, this idea of, of following the day, keeping Yom Kippur, fasting, not doing malacha, that leads to kapara as well. So this is a very important teaching of the Sifra, this idea that the day of Yom Kippur without karbanos atones. We're going to see there's actually a parallel uh, teaching in a different uh, piece of the Sifra in An Emor. We'll see that in a few minutes. So this is a consistent view of the Sifra that on the one hand, Kapara is with Karbanos. That, that's pretty clear from the Psukim. You can't really read the Psukim and think that the Kapara is not from the Karbanos. And at the same time, in a world without Karbanos, if you don't bring the Karbanos, somehow the day can lead to the Kapara as well. And we're going to, again, we're going to spend some time thinking about how this works. Is it through the fasting and, and keeping the day of the individual? Is it through chuva, maybe? Is it through some other process? Uh, but how, how exactly does the day, is the day mechaper? Maybe, maybe it's Hashem working through the day somehow, uh, and how would that work? And of course, we're also going to explore the differences theologically between these different approaches, right? If you get kapara just automatically by the day existing without you doing anything, that, that's one sort of theological world. And if you need to do a lot of work, you need to fast, you need to not do malacha, you need to celebrate the day, that's a very different understanding of how one needs to earn kapara. So all those ideas we're going we're gonna to get to in, in due time. For now, let's analyze the, the psukim in Emor. Emor goes through the various, uh, the various uh, holidays, including Yom Kippur. So by the Be'er Shem Moshele Mor, source 24 here, Right? On the 10th of the 7th month, it's Yom Kippur. Uh, it's a Mikra Kodesh. Uh, it's a holy, it's a day of holy calling, and, uh, uh, and uh, you should, you should uh, again, oppress yourselves, your, uh, your, your throats, or your souls, whatever you want to translate that, and bring a, a karban. And don't do any work, as we saw in, in Achimos. Uh, but then, then why? Because it's a day of atonement. So you should fast and you shouldn't do malacha because it's a day of atonement. Now we give another reason why to fast, right? Not just because it leads to atonement, but if you don't fast, if you don't oppress yourself on this day, you get kares. That's a punishment. And if you, if anyone who does work on Yom Kippur, he, uh, he gets uh, destroyed. Hashem will destroy him. It's uh, don't do any work, a law forever in all, all generations, in all, in all uh, places where you live. It's a Sabbath of Sabbaths. You should oppress yourselves. From the ninth at night, from night to night, uh, you should rest on your Sabbath. A lot of questions on how to interpret that last passage. But the basic idea here, it's very similar. The Pesukim themselves are very similar to Achrimos, with the major difference that this doesn't follow the discussion of the Karbanos that the coin brings, right? It's sort of just talking about the different holidays. It doesn't say, it says, you bring a Karban, you bring a burnt, uh, uh, well, Isha has a whole controversy what it means, but you bring some sort of either fire offering or food offering to Hashem. It doesn't say that you bring a whole bunch of Karbanos with special throwing blood. 
maybe that's assumed that you knew that from Machremos, but since the context is different, it's a bit less obvious that we're talking about Kapara through Karbanos. You could read this as saying the Kapara is through other means, that the Kapara is from the fasting and not doing Malacha. It sounds actually, that sounds a bit more reasonable in, this, in these Pesukim, if, you don't, if you're not, not taking into account the broader context of Achrimos than it was before. Um, fine. So we're going to look at a couple of, of commentaries here as to what exactly the conditions are for Kapara. Do you get Kapara just for having Yom Kippur, or are there additional things that one must do? So Rashi comes in, ah, why do we start off with ah? It's very odd. Puzzle of Zion, right? The first content we have about Yom Kippur, we say, but. What sort of introduction is that? You don't start your, you don't start your essay with but. That, that makes no sense. So Rashi says, it's called achim v'rakin Shabbat Torah mi'utin. Right? Ach is always a mi'ut. It's always a, a limitation. It, meaning this will only apply to some and not to others. Mechaper hu shavim ve'eno mechaper al she'enam shavim. Yom Kippur is only mechaper to those who do tshuva. If you don't do tshuva, if you don't repent, you don't get atonement, you don't get kapara. That's how Rashi reads the Pasuk here. And it's not a crazy reading. I mean, the, the kapara, the tshuva, seems to be not explicit here. But this idea of, of there being some conditions for which one, one needs to do something, the kapara seems to actually come out of these psukim here. The, 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 uh, you know, we're making the atonement contingent on celebrating Yom Kippur properly. So Rashi adds in, part of that is tshuva. Um, so, fine. And then we have Unculus. Doesn't say uh, too much surprising. You shouldn't do any work on, on this very day. Vichran meaning etzem or very. So because it's the day of atonement to atone for you. It doesn't really, doesn't really add too much, but the Ramban jumps off of this unculus and says, we're only, there's only a snippet of the Ramban, he says, the really owed ki etzem. What's this word etzem? Right? We're just going back to the Psukim originally. Um, it's a little odd. What does, it says, any, any soul or any person who isn't oppressed, who doesn't refrain from eating on this very day. Why do you say this very day? Or in, in uncles. Why very, this very day? So he says, right, The idea of the etzem of anything, etzem is its strength, its force. Right? Etzem means bone, a bone is solid. But right, that's etzem is the thing itself, but the power of the thing. Migzar, a nigzar, milashon kochiva otsem yadi. Right, my strength and the otsem yadi, the otsem, the strength of my hand, oz v'sa tumos. Right, it's like, it's the word etzem, it's like the word oz, it means power. V'chein ze yamos, yamus be'etzem tumo, v'sokef shleimuso, fine. So he spells out that, that fact, and now he continues, um, fine, he's saying it's, it's the day itself and not some other fine. Why do we say the very day? Or the power of the day? It's the day itself and no other thing added to it. It's not the karbanos. The, karbanos. the added karbanos are not what's necessary. It's the thing itself. It's the kapara of the, the day itself. As it works, v'chein our uncle is bikran yom ahadein, which bikarno shal yom begufa v'kocho. That's his gear. So the horn, horn can also mean strength. L'shom v'chol karnei v'shayim agadea magini v'karen yishi ki ba'avur shakoch v'karnei v'kiru gufa davar karno. Right, since animals with horns are more powerful, a, a horn is strength. L'shom chachamim mishleimus akari v'mishleimus achomesh 
Karen can also mean the principle, the thing itself, the power. Fine. V'yesh garsim etargum bichran bekaf, as we saw, bichran with the chaf. Bichran yamadein, that just means etzem. V'yakol echad, it all means the same thing. Kiva kasuv, kova v'kova shavim. Fine, sometimes kafs and kufs interchange. Avishtam shacham v'chol lashon ikva v'kaf, nigzar milo ya'akvim, v'kuf, kishma kolam, etc. He's doing a little yekarsimua, yekarsimena, a little etymology there. Kafs and kufs can switch. What's the point? Just saying etzem or saying bichran in uncles, this very day, that means the power of this day. Uh, these are things you can't do it in one normal day, in a, in a day as normal. That's in the story of the Mabel. Things that happen in one day, they're packed into one day, that can't usually happen in one day, like the Mabel, like Yom Kippur, that's what we say, Etzem Hayom Hazeh. So the Ramban here is continuing that theme we saw earlier, that the day itself somehow has the power of atonement. It's not something external, it's not the Karbanos, it's the day itself. Um, and then he has, actually, he, he has a different interpretation that maybe it means only the, the, day, the, the day of Yom Kippur as opposed to certain add-ons. If you did Tosefis Yom Kippur, and that's his last little paragraph. But again, we see the Ramban gives a very strong account of this idea of the day itself atoning, and he, he focuses on etzem hayom hazed, the very day itself is what atones. So that's, that's an important theme, again, this idea that the day itself atones. Um, we, we now can look at, um, fine, we can skip source 28, which is building on the Ramban at the end, but let's move to Rav Yosef, of course, Shor, one of the uh, uh, medieval commentaries. And he says, he's going to connect, as we, as we read in the passage, he's going to connect the uh, atonement to the inuyim, to some of the fasting and other regulations of Yom Kippur. So he says, Usually holidays, and we know this from the Jewish calendar, holidays are about eating and drinking and celebrating. But here we say, but on the 10th, on Yom Kippur, there's extra karbanos. That's what's special. Right? But you have to, instead of eating, instead of enjoying yourself, you have these five inuyim, not eating, not drinking, not engaging in other uh, physically pleasurable activities. Because it's Yom Kippur. And you oppress yourselves, you, you, you have this uh, discomfort on the day in order that Hashem will atone for all the sins. So kapara is a function of the inuyim, of, the, of fasting, etc., on Yom Kippur. And that's, that's the essential component here. So building on the Pasuk, right? He takes that literally. You need the fasting on Yom Kippur in order to get the atonement. The, uh, the Al-Sheikh, uh, that's a little repetitive. Al-Sheikh says, uh, similarly, that it's about a day of Kapara. It's because it's Yom Kippur. That's uh, at the day of atonement. That's why you're fasting. You need to oppress yourself and return to Hashem by force in order to get that atonement. Uh, and, and the Hamik Davar, slightly less strongly, but in a similar direction. He doesn't say that the fasting is a necessary component, but he says it's a, it's a skula, not in the mystical sense, I think. I think it's in the sense that it helps. Fasting helps one achieve atonement. 
etc. Presumably, if you're fasting, you have a better mindset uh, and a, a you know a more appropriate uh, frame of mind to uh, to do tshuva and to achieve kapara. Um, and and the Sfarno along along uh, related lines, he says there's not much to do. You can't work. You can't eat. There's not much to do. You have a lot of time to focus on things relating to uh, forgiveness and atonement. It's the opposite of what Yeshayo criticizes, that what, you're going to fast and do business all day? That's not the point. The point of fasting is to do nothing all day other than tshuva and kapara and slicha. Um, Fine. Fine, and uh, you get punished in, in severe ways for these things, and that actually correlates to people who, uh, uh, who, who sin through pleasure. Right? So you're not supposed to achieve these forms of pleasure, eating or working, uh, or you know, there's a lot of sins that, that occur through through eating and working, and, and this is why the punishment is greater on, on Yom Kippur. Fine. So maybe we'll quickly pause now if there are any questions or uh, if anyone wants to, uh, has any ideas or wants to discuss anything. We have a little pause now before we jump in to our last uh, piece of analysis. Unless everything's, uh, maybe again, everything's so, uh, so clear here, but I think there's a lot, a lot to think about, a lot to discuss. So I guess I don't this I, don't, I haven't like fully thought through this concept yet, but I guess my question is kind of like what does it mean for the day to like inherently um, atone? Um, like that seems I, I guess I understand in like kind of an abstract way, which I guess is really the only way for that kind of concept to be understood. Um, but I'm not like totally jiving with the concept. Okay, great. So I think we're gonna you know a little bit in what we're gonna do now and a little bit. Over the next few weeks, we're going to get a better handle on that. Um, there's a couple of different general directions. One is that, you know, we say it means the day. It doesn't really mean the day. It means God working through the day, right? Or some, that, that's one way of thinking about it, God working through the day. Somehow, the same way that, you know, God can give atonement through a carbon, God can give atonement through a day. Maybe the, the day is standing in for the carbon. We'll be able to analyze those things in more depth. Alternatively, some of the formulations we saw already, that it's the, it's the day because the person is participating in the day. Right, by fasting, by having that experience of fasting, of not working, that either leaves time for tshuva, that's a sgula for kapara. Somehow the, the experience of the day on a personal level is what leads to the kapara. So I think those are at least big picture, two different approaches, right? That one, it's more top down, God through the day somehow channels atonement, or that we through the day, you know, build up to and deserve and earn our atonement. But it's a great question, and we're going to see, again, some of the sources now and some of the sources in future weeks will deal with these uh, issues to one degree or another. Any other thoughts? Okay. Um, again, feel free to put questions in the chat if you wish, but let's move, let's move forward. So we can, we can ask the question, which is not exactly the question Tali just asked, but is related, which is the question of why is there kapara on Yom Kippur, right, of all days? Let's say the day is special in some way. Why? Right? Whether, whether it's through the karbanos or through the uh, celebration of the day or through Hashem sort of making things happen, why is it that Yom Kippur is the day that has kapara? So, Rav Shimshim Afal Hirsch 
Source 33 gives one explanation. For him, is it doesn't mean, you know, only if you do tshuva and not if you don't do tshuva. And it also doesn't mean, ach, this day is different than the other days because there's no big uh, eating party. It's instead fasting. No, for him, it means, ach, or only, only on Yom Kippur is there this day of, of kapara in the same way. So what, how does that work? Kapara hiya chesed elyon shel kel kol yachol ose pele. Atonement is the ultimate grace, the ultimate chesed from the God, the all-powerful God who does miracles. It turns an action into a non-action. It erases the entire past of one's sins. It, it uh, negates the inner and outer results of one's action. Those that lead to uh, destruction for the sinner. It, those all get erased. Atonement of this sort never can come about. You can't, you can't really achieve it by itself. Only on Yom Kippur. So it sounds like this, this day had to be there. This has to be limited to one day a year. This is really a miraculous, supernatural, um, you know, uh, uh, suspension of the usual laws of how the world works. Usually sin has consequences, natural consequences, uh, metaphysical consequences. Those are all, can all be broken and suspended through kapara, but that can only be one day a year. Now is that, uh, and it's a chesed elyon. So this, going back, as I mentioned, this is related to Tali's question in the sense that it's clearly God making the day do its work. It's a top-down thing. It's a chesed elyon. Um, and it's, it goes against nature. It's this magical thing that our sins can just be removed and all of their results can just be removed. You can't allow that every day. You have to limit that. And, uh, Yom, you know, there was one day that was chosen. It happens to be Yom Kippur. There's nothing special about Yom Kippur other than the fact that it was the day that was chosen for this kapara that, that uh, God carries out automatically. Now, on the other hand, the Chizkuni is going to say, well, it's not, it's not sort of arbitrary. Yom Kippur has a real history here. We're going to see other people say this as well. So he says, Right, when they got the second, the, the first luchos, they, they saw God, or they looked at God, they ate, they celebrated. That led too much celebration, too much excitement, led to the egel. That's where there's a fast on Yom Kippur to restore that, to fix that. Instead of celebrating, getting too excited about getting the Torah, we fast. And that's what we fast on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day maybe to rectify that sin and to get atonement, and it still is today. So there's a real historical reason, according to the Chizkuni, why Yom Kippur is this day of atonement and a day of fasting. The fasting corresponding to the overeating and over-rejoicing in light of getting the luchos and the, uh, and the atonement, because that's what they got on that day. So we, we continue that today. Now the Abarbanel, I don't know if we're going to read the whole thing, it's a lengthy piece. He gives several different reasons why Yom Kippur was chosen. So there's several different reasons why Yom Kippur was chosen for forgiveness and atonement uh, for the Jewish people. The world was created in Tishrei. One opinion, Rabbi Lazar holds the world was created in Tishrei as opposed to Nisan. Asa Adam Arishon, 
if the world was created in Nish, in, in, Nisa, in, in Tishrei, Adam was created on the 10th of Tishrei. Okay, that's one accounting. Other people think that Adam was created on Aleph Tishrei. That's what we say. Uh, people talk about, well, there's different, different accounts of this. Um, but this is, on this account, Adam was created on the 10th of Tishrei. Um, and therefore, Tshuva Mecheto, Asa Adam HaRishon Tshuva Mecheto, Adam did Tshuva on that day. Um, so, sorry, I, I misread. Kivu Chazal, Chazalic tradition, Shaviyoma Asiri Mimenu, Asa Adam HaRishon Tshuva Mecheto. Adam did Tshuva for his sin on the 10th of Tishrei. Now the numbers have to work out because there are Chazals that talk about Adam on the day he was created, on the sixth day of creation doing Tshuva, which would presumably have been either the sixth day of Tishrei or the first day of Tishrei. So this is a slightly different accounting that it's the 10th of Tishrei. Niskaper, his atonement was accepted. He did Tshuva and he was atoned for. Sorry, uh, haba. Fine. Um, fine. So he goes into some, some more detail about what happened on, on that day. And uh, we, he adds that that's why Lefichach, um, I lost the line, Lachain, Hukbai Yomazet, Es Ratzon, Livnei Yisrael, Kesheshu Vashem, Yasu Kemaseu, Sheyeruchamu Minashamayim. Following Adam, who did Shuva and got Kapara on the 10th of Tishrei, if we do tshuva and, uh, on, on the 10th of Tishrei, we will also get kapara. And jumping down now, v'asiba, where is this? Asiba shnia. Um, sorry, one moment. Here, v'asiba shnia hi, the second reason, k'fim ha'sh kiblu chazal, she'avram avinu nimo b'yom ha'kippurim. Avram got his bris in Yom Kippur, and that's why uh, his, his children were, were sanctified. V'asiba shnia sh'mash amru, sh'mash chodesh elul, alamosh lahar, and Moshe went up on Harsina, and the first thing it came down on Yom Kippur, and Nishar Hayom Haz Ahu, Yom Slicha Vagapara, similar to what we saw in the previous source in the Chizkuni. Vilimdo Gadish Brahu Yigil Midoshal Rachmin. Moshe was taught by God the 13 attributes of mercy. And he gives another reason. We skip down uh, further. Um, here, Vihine Hato Eles, Bitsom Ushvisa, right? So, so just summarizing, the Barbanel here gives a few different things that happened historically that involve tshuva and kapara. And he says, So the reason, the purpose for the fasting and staying and uh, refraining from work on this holy day, again, this idea, if you're not working and you're not eating, you have time to, to connect to Hashem. As the there's a, a philosophical explanation, as the body removes itself from physical things that are, are finite, that allows for the soul to connect to the infinite. That's, that's his philosophical idea, building on ideas of the Ramam and others. Um, far, fine, and it's also Kabbalistic as well. Um, fine, he continues, right? The fire that goes on the altar burns the Mizbeach. That's like, that's like uh, divine powers. Uh, coming down and burning it. One, a person's natural heat burns their fat and blood, meaning when you, let's say when you're fasting, you burn calories. That's parallel to the fire on the Mizbeach. We have to have this intention that 
our fats and blood that are burnt, our calories that we're burning on Yom Kippur are just like the meat that's burnt on the Mizbeach, the chel vindamit that's offered on the Mizbeach that Hashem burns. So we should, uh, we should try to emulate God in that way. He's quoting the Gemara, source number 36. The Gemara there, there's a, he writes on the same fast days that it should be whatever calories I burn, whatever fat and blood I burn on this fast should be as if it's a carbon. And that's, that's an important day as well. Think about the meaning there, right? We're going to get into this more in a future year, but if we're trying, if we don't have, right, let's, let's think of it this way. Assume the core Kapara Yom Kippur is a carbon. Yom Kippur is primarily atoned by carbonos. We don't have carbonos today, but what we do have is the fast. And the fast is significant, according to this approach, not just because it lets you focus on tshuva, not just because it connects you to the day that has some power. The fast is important because by burning calories on Yom Kippur, that's the equivalent of Hashem burning a carbon on the Mizbeach. And we ask, as, as the Gemara points out, my fat and blood that are decreased, the calories I'm burning, should be considered as if I offered them on the Mizbeach. So our fast serves as a pseudo-carbon, or as if it's a carbon. This is a very powerful idea that's suggested really originally in the Gemara and Brachos there. Um, and the Abarbanel emphasizes, so if we think about how, the, how Kapara works on Yom Kippur, without a Mikdash, without Karbanos, this is one approach that it really is through Karbanos. It's through this pseudo-carbon of fasting. So we're going we're gonna to develop that idea more in a future shir, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning for now. Finally, let's take a look at the Sifra, the other Sifra that was uh, mentioned. Remember, we saw the Sifra earlier, that Ki Bezeh versus Ki Bayom Hazeh, that the fact that we emphasize day, if we just said Ki Bezeh would have meant Karbanos. We say Ki Bayom Hazeh, it means with, uh, with the day itself being mechaber. So the Sifra here goes in a similar direction and then goes a step further. Mikra Kodesh, Yom Kippurim Hu. V'yinisem es nafsho seichem, ki Kippurim. What if we left out the word Yom? What if we said, ki Kippurim hu lechaper aleichem? Chom lecho sasu, ki Kippurim. What if we just let, left out the word Yom? Sheyachol, ein li ala Yom Kippurim mechaber, elem kena so mikra Kodesh. V'yis ana, v'lo asabo melacha, lo kro mikra Kodesh, v'lo nis anabo, v'asam, sorry, uh, right? I would think you only get kapara on Yom Kippur if you made it Mikra Kodesh. Let's say you, you, you said the davening of, of Yom Kippur and you fasted and you didn't do Malacha. What if you didn't do these three things? How do I know you still get kapara? It's the day. It's the day. Uh, how do I know Yom Kippur works without Karbanos? Because it says Yom Hakipurim. So we, have, we see here two different things are not conditions at all. It sounds like the Karbanos are not a condition at all that we saw earlier. And the idea of fasting, Kro Mikra Kodesh, let's say davening, and, uh, and not doing Malacha, those are also not conditions. You get Kapara if you don't do any of those things. So what's the only condition? comes in the Sifra with this uh, uh, a big chedish, a ground-shaking chedish that we saw already quoted in Rashi, but uh, from the Sifra. I would think Yom Kippur works, it atones whether you do tshuva or not. We learn out Yom Kippur from Achatas and the Asham, the two karbanos that atone. Those only atone if there's tshuva. Similarly, Yom Kippur only atones if there's tshuva. So after all of this, according to this Sifra, 
Bringing karbanos, not a condition. Celebrating Yom Kippur in any way, not doing malacha, not, not uh, eating, those are not conditions for Yom Kippur being mechaper. The day itself will be mechaper. Yom Kippur. What's the only thing that's a condition? Says the Sifra, doing tshuva. Tshuva is the only condition for kapara on Yom Kippur. The day itself will do the rest. It's a very powerful idea. We, in future shirim, we're going to analyze this, this question of the relationship between tshuva and the day of Yom Kippur, among other themes. But I think next week we'll focus on tshuva versus the day and how the two work together. According to the Sifra, the answer is very clear. It's going to be much more complicated when we look at the Gemara. If there are any uh, final questions, I can entertain those now. Um, and uh, if not, if not, we'll just, we can just sum up. But first, if there's any quick questions. Yeah, I have a quick question. Sure. Going back to the end of the Barbanel, um, that like part of the end that was like more philosophical, um, that part about like that, like you hear at that you say, mm-hmm. it's like saying that like we're like we are the korban. Then like you're taking place of the korban. Am I understanding Basically, that correctly? Yeah, that's why it, it uses this language. If I'm not mistaken, he uses the language of making yourself a mizbah kapara, or someone mentioned that making yourself into an altar of atonement. We ourselves become a mizbeach. We burn our own fat on our own mizbeach selves. It's a pretty powerful idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? So just to quickly sum up, we really looked at two different questions here. One question was, reading the Psukim, who's doing the Kapara? Is it the Kohen Gadol? That sounds like what the Psukim are saying. Is it maybe Hashem? Maybe Hashem's, you know, sort of finishing the Kohen's job or, or doing the next step. Is it the day of Yom Kippur itself? And what exactly would that mean? Is it everyone who does the Kapara? Maybe it's some mix of factors. And if it's the day that's doing the Kapara, what conditions are there? Can the day do the kapara all by itself? Does it need to be accompanied by tshuva? It sounds like what we've seen until now, yes, although it's going to get more complicated. Does it need to be accompanied? Or maybe it's just this chesed elyon, as Rosh Hashem Hirsch said, right? Hashem just comes in and grants atonement to everyone. Uh, and is Yom Kippur a day, is it, as a day, is it special because just a day needed to be chosen? Or is it tied, does it tie into the history of the Jewish people? And, um, and again, other possible conditions for Yom Kippur. If you read the Pesukim, it sounds like the fasting is a condition, or at least the school, at least the fasting helps, and not doing malach at least help if they're not actually a condition for the atonement itself. So I think if we've learned anything, we've seen that this is a very complex issue. There's a lot of counterindications among the sources, a lot of things that point in different directions. I think once we look at the Gemaras, we'll get a better sense sorting out some of these ideas. To what extent shuva is necessary? To what extent marking Yom Kippur fasting not working is, is significant? And at the end of the day, how kapara works nowadays, how it works in the time of the Mikdash, and what changed, if anything, and what the relationship is between kapara of Yom Kippur in the time of the Mikdash versus now. So I think we've set the stage for that and looking forward to learning with everyone on future occasions. Thank you. Thank you. That was interesting. Yeah, thank you so much for this really amazing class. We hope that we'll get to see everyone back here next week for the continuation at the same time. Uh, We've also got a number of different classes that are going on throughout the next few weeks. Uh, You can get info for that at drisha.org slash classes on all nine of the different classes that we are going to be running over the course of Elul and into the Aser Imet Shuva. Seven of those courses are uh, are running next week and then the last two will start up the week after. Uh, So if you haven't registered yet, please feel free to go do so. Um, But again, thank you.
Rabbi Zakir for a really, really fascinating class. Uh, looking forward to hearing the next one. And uh, have a great night, everyone. Thank you so much for being here.